0: Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. It's Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Eliamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God that i will pour out my of my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my men servants and on my maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy i will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated.
1: All right, we have been looking through the book of Acts now for um, about a month, a little over a month, month and a half. And we are into this portion of Acts chapter 2. But again, as a reminder to us that in chapter 1, we saw the ascension of Christ. And before Jesus raised up into the clouds, he told his disciples to wait. He gave them a command to wait. And they were supposed to wait for the power The the baptism, the immersion, and the the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And they didn't know how long it was going to be. So they were going to be in that upper room in Jerusalem waiting for that moment. Well, we go into chapter 2, and we see that come upon them. And so last week, we began looking at chapter 2, and we read at the very beginning, this is when the day of Pentecost, and remember the word Pentecost in the Greek literally means 50 because it was fifty days after the feast of the first feast of first fruits. Okay, so when the fifty or the Pentecost—that was Shavuot in Hebrew—that was the Hebrew feast of Shavuot, which is just a uh, harvest. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and so last week we talked about there's a lot of um, theology that's involved in in Acts chapter 2 a lot of questions that arise and the first one is what does it mean that they were filled with the Holy Spirit so last week and we have all these so last week we talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we saw that the filling of the, in the filling of the Holy Spirit, that as we went through the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit, starting in Matthew chapter 3, in every place that we saw this, okay, that there is the internal presence of the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about. And that is the, the indwelling, that the Holy Spirit, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you accept Him as your Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. So, Ephesians chapter 1 says that after you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the guarantee of your inheritance until the purchase, to the redemption of the purchased possession. And that is to the, the time when Jesus comes back. So, if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you have honestly, earnestly trusted in Him, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Word of God says, not the Word of Bob. But the word of God. And so we saw that as we went through that, okay? And then, secondly, then after that happens, okay, and you are, you become that temple of the Holy Spirit, you then have the potential to experience the external empowerment of the Holy Spirit, okay? And that is that the Holy Spirit then will come upon you in a special way, a special empowering way that as we read there in chapter 1, you are immersed. Okay? So the word baptism, again, for those who are visiting this week, the Greek word baptizo okay, has been brought into the English as baptize. There's really no English word baptize. Surprise. It actually was the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo means to dip, dunk, or immerse. So, so we are told then you would be immersed okay, in the Holy Spirit. Okay, And so... And then you would be clothed, so in Luke 24, if you remember, Jesus says, wait, and then you will be endued with power from on high, and we saw that that, again, was the Greek word enduo, which literally means to be clothed, okay? You will be clothed with the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit will come upon you externally, and so, again, in Acts 1, we saw that he'll come upon you, ep irkomai, so irkomai is the word to come, ep, on, so he'll come upon you, Okay? So you already have him inside you if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. He's already there. But now, when God gives you a supernatural task to accomplish, he's going to empower you to accomplish that task. But we saw again that they were ready for that because they'd been spending time, what? In prayer. Okay? So if we remember, um, when Jesus talks to the disciples after he comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're not able to to cast a demon out of the young boy, Jesus comes down, and he immediately casts the demon out. And so later, the disciples ask him, why couldn't we do that? Jesus said, this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. The idea is, you haven't been praying, and you haven't been fasting, therefore you had no power to accomplish a task. So similarly, to us, in the church, right? You have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. When when God has a special task for you to perform, he will empower you to accomplish that task. That's what we're going to continue to look at today. The empowering that he gave to those disciples to accomplish the task that he had for them to accomplish. What did God want to occur on Pentecost? And so he told his disciples, right, when before he went up, he says they're going to wait for power in order to do what? What was the purpose of the empowering of the Holy Spirit? Say again? Specifically, what did he call them to do? To preach the word. To be witnesses of his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's exactly what we see, as we're going to look into this, that's exactly what we see Peter and the other disciples do when this empowerment comes upon them, okay? So we're going to look at the book of Acts. We're going to look at the context of speaking in tongues because that's what we're going to talk about today. The special empowerment that they received at that moment was speaking in tongues. It's a hot spot in theology today. What does the Bible actually teach about speaking in tongues? And so I'm not going to go this long as I did last week, but just so, you, again, reminder, when I first got saved, two and a half years later, three years later, I went to seminary. And when I went to seminary, they, they wanted me to sign a form saying that i didn't believe in speaking in tongues and i said i can't sign that and they said why i said because i don't even know what it is i mean i don't know if i believe it or i don't believe it i can't sign saying something i don't believe and so they said are you teachable i said yes so so at that moment they gave me let me do a waiver on it but that told me that when i was there they were going to teach me what there was no speaking in tongues so instantly i wanted to know what that meant i wanted to know how to speak in tongues if they're going to teach me that that there's no speaking in tongues there must be something about this thing so i started looking for all the things about speaking in tongues and i started studying and reading and all these things about speaking in tongues the whole time in that first year of of seminary I'm, i'm 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 studying the stuff i needed to study but there was still that on that side subject for me right and so when we went to Israel, the next we had a study trip. Marsh and I went to Israel for twenty-two days. That next year, that next summer, the whole way over on the plane. I mean, I'm I'm reading and I'm praying, and you got to understand, I'm praying in earnest. I want if this is a if this is a gift, if this is this is what you got, God, I want it. I want this thing, man, and and so. And again, it was in the kibbutz, there between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. They have a hotel, so we were staying in the kibbutz in a hotel. It wasn't like I was living on the kibbutz. Like we were just staying at the hotel at the kibbutz. And I was in that, that hotel room um, at the kibbutz when God literally just picked me up. Not, not literally, I shouldn't say that, because it's not, it's not, but he picked me up and he threw me against the wall. Not really, but, but that's what I felt like. And he said to me, would you stop reading the books from men? And read my book. Touche. Thank you, God. You're exactly right. And so, part of last week part of this week. I hope I finish it this week. I've already asked David. Since David's speaking the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I was going to mess him up if we want up. This becomes a two-part in the middle of the day. And so so just understand, I've already got my, my, my exit plan, okay? I hope not to take it, okay? But because it means if, if I have to take the exit plan, it means you have to be here next week to hear the rest of it, right? So anyways, but so here's the deal. There's a lot of information. This all comes in, and I'm not going to be able to share with you everything I got. But this is all coming from that, from even, what, 30 years ago? That, that, that God has put on me, and it's been a passion of mine, because it's a, it's a hot button, okay? And again, I don't want to be wrong in my theologies. Does that make sense? So we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, right here where we're at. We're going to actually be in Acts 2 for the next two weeks as well, right? So next week, we're going to talk about repent and be baptized. The following week after that, we're going to talk about the fellowship of the church. So a lot of, a lot of going on in Acts chapter 2, so we're spending time here. But in Acts chapter 2, we're going to start here. In this beginning part that Chuck read today, okay, and what do we see? So, first of all, we see the location, okay? It's important, okay? So, even though I'm going to bring this up, it's mundane, we're going to go past them, I want you to remember locations, okay? Because the Word of God is important, He gives us information for a reason, right? So, we have the locations, Jerusalem. What's the situation? Well, clearly we know it's Pentecost, we've already talked about that, okay? It's the Feast of Shavuot um, in Just so you know, we'll bring this out later, but this is kind of fun. The Jews believe this is also happening on the day that God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Okay, that's what the Jewish tradition is as well. well. That'll come out next week, maybe, as we talk. Okay, a lot of fun. So, what do we see happen here? First of all, we see the entrance of the Holy Spirit. Now, I was going to put sight and sound. Thank you. Um,. We have the pleasure of of me being translated today, so I have to slow. Thank you. We're Jose. Um, so, yeah, when I get excited, I go fast. so uh, um, so what happens? You guys heard of sight and sound theater? God gives the original sight and sound theater, okay? The Holy Spirit comes in. At this moment, I was going to have a video, and it was going to burst everybody's ears that had had a headset on. And so I decided not to do it. I was going to put up a hurricane, or not a hurricane, or tornado. Have you guys ever watched um, the, a tornado come in and what it sounds like? Yeah. Okay, it's pretty loud. Okay, it's like they, it's it's like a. a, 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 um, a a train, freight train coming through, okay? Well, that's what exactly we read that happens here in Acts 2. I'm not saying it's a tornado, okay? But I can't imagine what this is like, okay? Literally it says, And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushy, rushing mighty wind. It was a resounding noise. Steve, can you read that Greek word? You can do it. Good, Echoes. Echos, acos, acos. So if I bring that into English, though, because it doesn't look like anything to you right now, it would look like E-C-H-O. Does it sound like anything to you? Echo. See, now you all know it. See, you knew that Greek word. It's echo. Okay? And so when you think of an echo just resounding, okay, that's the word. It was a resounding noise that came in, okay? And so it was impressive enough of a noise that what happened? Everybody around came running because they what? They heard it, okay? It must have been something. Remember, they're in in upper room in Jerusalem. We don't know exactly where they're at, but there's this great noise that comes in, right? And then we see that they see, there appears to them, and so the word literally means that it was something they could see, that there was a cloven or split like hoof, tongue of fire, okay? So when it says tongue, it, 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 when you think of a, uh, a fire and you see the the flames licking up, they would call that a, a tongue of fire. Okay, okay. So so the word tongue is being used multiple ways here. Okay. So anyways, then there is then the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do we see about this gift that was given? First of all, when the gift is given, the apostles speak with heteros glosa. I so, say, okay, what does that mean? Well, I have it up there for you. Different tongues. Okay? Heteros, that should sound familiar to you. If I say people are heterosexual, right? They like people of the different sex. If people are homosexual, they love people or like people of the same sex. So it's kind of interesting. Okay? So those are, are Greek words that are there. Okay? But heteros is a different language thing the word um language we're going to talk about in a moment uh tongue it actually can mean language because the apostles then we read okay as as uh chuck read it we saw they spoke with a different tongue but they also spoke with a discernible tongue how do i know it's a discernible tongue because people understood them people understood them in what their own language now that makes total sense because the word glossa doesn't just mean this physical organ in my mouth, right? But it literally means a language, okay? And so if you go and you do a study on this word, you can do this with Esau and stuff, right? What you're going to find out is that it speaks literally of the tongue, but it then also literally speaks of languages. In the book of Revelation, this is the word that we talk about, how that before the the throne, there are going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, Every what? Every language. Okay? So if I asked you all to put out your tongues, okay, don't do that. Okay? But if I asked you to do that, and we examined everybody's tongues, they would look what? Look like a tongue. They all similar. They'd look similar. They'll be the same. Okay? So he's not saying in heaven that we're going to have a bunch of different what? Tongues. But he's talking about languages. Okay? And so when you read it, what's interesting then is as well... That goes on into the Old Testament as well. And I don't have time. I have it on your sermon note sheets. A bunch of references. You can go and look at it. Okay, um, This is the, the same word. So the Greek, if you go to Septuagint, the same word is used in, in, in this realm. But also then flips to the Hebrew, Lashon, okay, which is the word for tongue, which is used when referring to the Tower of Babel. And what happened at the Tower of Babel? Men began to speak with other... Tongues, languages, okay? They didn't speak with other what? Babblings, okay? It was a discernible language. It's what's important to understand here, okay? They were different languages. They were Galileans, but they weren't speaking in Galilean. They weren't speaking in Aramaic. They were speaking in Bithynian. They were speaking in Cappadocian. They were speaking in Mysian. You understand? They were speaking in all these different languages that they didn't know, and that's what was the, the miracle, the sign. There are people who are going to tell you that the sign was that people heard. It wasn't that they spoke, it's that they heard. But if that was the truth, if that was the case, then we would have had a read that the Holy Spirit fell on who? The whole crowd. Do you get it? Because then the Holy Spirit would be causing them to hear in another language. But that wasn't the gift. The Holy Spirit fell on who? The disciples. Okay? So they fell on the apostles, and the apostles are the ones who are beginning to speak. Okay? Now we'll talk about Peter's message later on. But there's one more thing in this that's very important for us to understand as we come through this, and I don't have a lot of time in each one of these points, but it's the word apothengomai. Say that multiple times, right? Apothenomai. Okay? An apophthenomai literally means to have a clear utterance. A clear utterance. They spoke clearly. It was, again, discernible. So when the Holy Spirit came upon them, we're told in verse 2, um, specifically, I'm sorry, verse 4, it says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, different tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them apothangomite, clear speech. The Holy Spirit gave them clear speech. And you say, are you sure about that? Yeah, I am. Because now drop down to verse 14. Because Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and apothangomite to them. Men of Judea, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Same word being used. And everybody understood his clear message. How do I know that? How do I know they understood his message? They respond to him. What must we do to be saved? So they know. They know what's happening at this very moment, okay? So so we have this this gift that's poured out, okay, in Acts chapter 2, okay? This gift of the speaking in tongues. What do I know from it so far? It's language. So the, the, the concept is they're speaking in another language. And, and they're speaking clearly in another language. So that other people can understand. Who is speaking right now? Peter and the other apostles. Okay, Who are they? Give me a generic, gener, generality, nationality. They're Israelite, Jews. Who are they speaking to? All kinds of people? Who are they speaking to? Jews. Jews. It specifically, it talks about the, the, the Jews. So there could be some Gentiles who are proselytes that come in, but specifically, it's what? A Jewish holiday, and the Jews are coming in from all around the world. Okay? So important, again, to understand. Next time we see this gift specifically spoken of is not in Acts chapter 8, which there is a gift in Acts chapter 8 with Samaria, but we're not told how that plays out. But in um, So validation of the gospel of Jews. Acts 10, we're... Peter now is called to go to Caesarea. And so when he goes to Caesarea, he's there to speak to Cornelius, a Gentile. Now we have a Gentile, right? Who is a Roman centurion. And he is um, calling out to God. And God gives him uh, a vision of an angel who tells him to send to um, Joppa to the house of Simon the Tanner, to ask for Simon, whose surname is Peter, right, to come and talk to him. Simon, Peter, comes and says to him, you know I'm not supposed to be here, I'm a Jew, it's, a, it's a, a, a illegal, unlawful for me to be able to in your house, so, but God told me not to call unclean, what did he call clean, so why am I here? And Cornelius basically tells him what? I don't know, you tell me. That's exactly right. How fun is that? I don't know. But God said to have you come, so tell me whatever God's put on your heart to tell me. How cool is that? And so Peter begins to open up his mouth and to tell them about Jesus, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And while he is proclaiming the life, death, resurrection of Christ, What happens? Let's go there. Acts chapter 10. Acts 10, beginning of verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, who were those? Jews. Those of the circumcision who believed were what? "...were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized, immersed, who have have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be immersed in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days." So, what happened? Peter gives a testimony. The ministry of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, right? Then the Holy Spirit gives a testimony. Because in the midst of Peter giving this testimony, what does Cornelius and, and the other guys, the other people with him, do? They believe. They believe. Now, again, remember what we've already taken. You take what you've learned that the Scripture has taught and you build upon it, right? So what have we already taught? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive what? The Holy Spirit. So they're now indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but immediately, having been then indwelt with the Holy Spirit, what happens here? They are cloaked, clothed, empowered, immersed with the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because they begin to speak in what? Tongues. Now, here's a the, here's the question for you, because we're not told specifically here, Okay, like we're told in Acts chapter 2. This gift of speaking in tongues, was it babbling or was it a clear utterance? I'm hearing clear utterance. How do you know that? Tell me, Brian. Why? How do you know? It's because it's understood. You can't do that. From this passage, how do I know it's clear utterance? They Tell me, Kathy. They Who did? Those who heard the word, they respond, but then they begin to speak with tongues. Okay? How do I know that those tongues weren't a babble, but that they were a clear utterance? Well, Peter answered, but you're, you guys are all right. It's right there. What do they do? They, they, they receive this gift, and what do they do? Magnify. They magnify God. They magnify God. And when they're magnifying God, all the Jews, what? Were amazed. Which means that all those Jews must have understood what they were saying. Are you tracking with me? Either that or all those Jews also had a gift of what? Interpretation. <laughs> okay? So, I mean, you can say argument from silence. Argument from silence. Whichever way, it's argument from silence. I'm just taking the word for it as it is. Clearly they spoke something that everybody else understood. Okay? So I'm, I'm not trying to read into it. So you've got to remember, this is Bob. Inclined to believe in this utterance, etc., utterances, Wanting to believe in ecstatic utterances. But now I'm reading this. And I want to know it as God means it. I'm not seeing what? Ecstatic utterances. I'm seeing proclamation of the word of God and the work of God. And I'm seeing people hear it. So may I ask you a question. Who spoke at this time? A non-Jew. Right? A non-Jew living where? Still in the confines of Israel, quote-unquote. Who is he speaking it to, if you would? They they speaking to. Jews. Jews. Jews heard it. So again, we have this validation, if you would, of the gospel to Jews. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Okay? So the empowerment was to proclaim the word of God, but it was also a sign of the validation of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. God gave that to the disciples in a miraculous way to draw all the crowd to them. Sign and, the sight and sound theater. And then they proclaimed the message and it validated to Jews. Here, Jews were doing something that was unlawful for them. going into the house of a Gentile and they're just amazed because now all of a sudden these Gentiles begin to praise who? Yahweh. Okay? Acts 19 turn there with me. Acts 19, okay? This is Paul heading to Ephesus. Okay? And we read, "And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, that's the upper regions of Asia Minor, okay? So it's the province of Asia Minor, what we call Turkey today, okay? Through the upper regions came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So he said to them, Into what then were you baptized, immersed? So they said, Into John's immersion. Then Paul said, John indeed immersed with an immersion of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And he, that is Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. All right, so where have we got going on? What's the situation? Paul meets 12 disciples of John. They've been immersed with the immersion of John. But John said when he was there, we talked about this last week, right? The Holy Spirit. He says, I am immersing you with water, but there is one who's coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie. And when he comes, he's going to immerse you with spirit and with fire. So Paul asked these guys, what have you been immersed into? And they said, well, John. Well, I mean, we haven't even heard about this Holy Spirit thing. It kind of sounds like me going to seminary. I don't, I haven't got a clue what this whole, speaking in tongues thing is. I relate to these guys. So Paul began to tell them about the ministry, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the next thing we see is that they what? They accept it. They accept that testimony, right? So the conclusion, the disciples, they accepted the testimony of Christ. Secondly, then they were immersed into Christ, right? So they were baptized. They, were, they got saved. They were immersed. Then they prophesied with other tongues. So again, they accepted Christ as their Savior. They were filled with the Holy Spirit from that perspective, the, in, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They then got water immersed to reveal what happened to them on the inside. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them with power. Cornelius and his guys over in Caesarea, when did the Holy Spirit come upon them? Before or after water baptism? Before, before. So, so th- again, this is exciting stuff to me because it's kind of like you can't make a case for, so there are those in the Pentecostal realm, and again, I'm not picking fingers, I'm not preaching against something, okay? But this is a the reality. They're going to tell you that you cannot be saved unless you speak with tongues, utterances, um, ecstatic utterances, okay? And so, clearly, the Word of God doesn't what? It doesn't teach that. It's not true. Okay? And we're going to see that even more when we get to First Corinthians. Okay? So what do we see happen here, though? We see the disciples, right? And then we see Paul, as a result of that, now entering into the synagogue, speaking boldly. So we went from Jerusalem to Caesarea to Ephesus, right? In order for the Jews in those regions to understand and see what? that the gospel was real and being spread. So, summary real quick. The gift was never private. People talking about a prayer language in the closet. The gift was never private. The gift was always public. The gift had a purpose. It was a sign gift always to Jews. Okay? Track with this because it's going to become important when we get into 1 Corinthians here. Okay? Okay? The bestowal of the gift certified that the individuals were truly saved. So then note the progression of the gift. Jerusalem, Caesarea, Ephesus. Jesus said, and you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, to Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. What's happening? They're becoming a witness where? To the uttermost part of the world. And that witness is being certified with sign gifts. One we're talking about specifically is the gift of Tongues, okay? Noteworthy, those who are not recorded as receiving the gift of salvation. Paul, the Ethiopian eunuch, Philippian jailer, I could go on. But think about it. In Acts chapter 9, you say, it was an argument from silence. It is an argument from silence. But I think it's an important argument from silence. If this was so critical, in Acts chapter 9, when Ananias laid his hands on Paul to certify that Paul really was an apostle, (laughs) he had been speaking in tongues. If this was a, an ecstatic utterance that was a, 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 a proof for everyone of salvation, this would have been a critical moment. The Philippian jailer, same thing. But you know, Philip was only a deacon. He wasn't an apostle. Maybe it was that Philip himself didn't what? Speak in tongues. That's what we were talking about in Samaria. It was when um, Peter and John came up and they laid hands on the Samaritans when the Holy Spirit did something externally upon them. Okay? We don't know, and so I don't want to go there and say that that was the tongues thing going on there because I can't prove that. But it didn't happen. Then the Philippian jailer. Again, the Philippian jailer, you know, this is a moment for us to, again, to show the expansion of this thing. One last thing I don't have on here, and that is about this thing in Ephesus. We just finished our study of the book of Ephesus. Or study of the book of Ephesians. What do you never read in the book of Ephesians. You don't read about this gift. And yet it was there that the 12 were given it. If it was important, if it became something that was critical, don't you think that Paul would have been addressing it to the church of Ephesus? Since this is the place that it was? Again, all these are arguments from silence, but it's it's they're all weighty evidences that build together. You know, I want to move on. 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. We're not reading the whole chapter. So here's the deal. I'm going to go through this quickly. I'm challenging you to go through and check me out. If if I'm lying, you need to come back and you need to tell everybody. Okay? If you find me in a lie even now, you've got to stop me. Okay? Because this is for real. Okay? This is important. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Okay? So. Holy Spirit's gonna when his job was he was come to lead us into all truth. Okay? I want truth. Okay? I don't want what I want. Again, I say this a lot, but this is real. If you can prove to me that Jesus isn't God from the Bible, I'll believe it. But you can't. I've gone there. I've ha- I've had enough interactions with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons that I've been challenged on that. Doesn't it make sense? And and I want to know truth. Well, Jesus is Yahweh incarnate. Boom. Well, same thing that's going to play out with, with tongues. What is it? Well, oh, distribution of the gift. First thing we see in 1 Corinthians 12 is this distribution of the gift. And that is the Holy Spirit gives the gift to individuals, every individual. If you are in the body of Christ, if you have asked Jesus into your heart, Holy Spirit has given you a gift. Has given you a gift. What's the purpose of the gift? To benefit others. In the body of Christ, the gift is to benefit others. Now, this next part is important the categorization, cat, categorization of the gift. So you're going to see these things blowing in because I already went to the slide and went back and it messed all my, my stuff up. Okay. So I knew that was going to happen when I went backwards. But that's okay. So here's the deal you get all the information right away. Okay? Again, you're not going to see this in English. Okay? But you can look at it. If you're there in 1 Corinthians 12, you'll see this. Okay, There are three specific categories of gifts. There are the, the knowledge gifts, there are the faith gifts, and there are language gifts. There are two primary words for another in the Greek. You already learned one of them from Acts chapter 2. What was it? Heteros, good, good job, good memory, okay? Heteros. The other is the word alas, like an alimorph, okay? So we bring him over into English, we use him that way. And so heteros means another of, this, of a different kind. Alas means another of a, um, the same kind. So what I want to do is, I, I'm here, I'm going to read this passage to you. So, if you're there, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm just going to read these verses to you just so you can see this. Because in the English, you're not going to see it. But when I do it, instead of reading another, I'm going to say the Greek word. Okay? That's there. So remember, heteros means another of a different kind. Alas means another of the same kind. Okay? All right, so here we go. Um, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Alas the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Heteros, faith by the same spirit. Alas, gifts of healing by the same spirit. Alas, the working of miracles. Alas, prophecy. Alas, discerning of spirits. Heteros, kinds of languages. Alas, the interpretation of the languages. Okay? Did you note Again, there was a division then, using the term heteros. There are three categories, knowledge, faith, languages. I don't have time to get into it, but there's an important part of that. Again, we know the word glossa is the word language, but it comes into play here where it literally is genê, the genos of languages. Genos talks about your family origins, okay? So your nationality or family group. Israel was a genos of Abraham, Paul was of the genos of Israel. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So, I'm of the genos of Al Corbin, from that perspective. I'm of the genos of America, if you would. But you can say I'm of the genos of of Croatia. But the idea is it's talking about a nationality. So it's a nationality of languages. A genos of languages is what it's talking about. Okay. Plural, plural, plural. Are you hearing me on this one? not a singular it's plural there's a genos uh, okay plurality of languages that are there subordination to gift okay at the very end of the chapter when the gifts are being talked about you know that there is teaching prophecy and all this kind of stuff the very last one that is given is tongues tongues is subordinate to all the other gifts there at the end of chapter 12 and then Paul says but now I'm going to give you tell you about a more excellent thing and he gets into chapter 13 and in chapter 13, chapter 13 begins with conditional subjunctives. It says, even if, let me state it like, like it's read here because it's, it's wrong. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. That's wrong. Though I speak. It is a subjunctive conditional. What it should say is, even if I could. The subjunctive is the mood of unreality. It's not, not the indicative mood. The indicative mood is a statement of fact. If it was, though I spoke with, and it was that way, it would be an indicative, but it's not it's a subjunctive. The idea is, he doesn't. These are hyperboles that he's throwing out there. Even if I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a what? I'm just a clanging symbol, right? And then he goes on to the next two categories of gifts, if you would. Right, And he says, even if I could give my body to be what? Burned. Even if I could move mountains. What, did, you, did you ever read about Paul's uh, body being burned? No. What about moving mountains? No. Do you understand these are reliefs that he's given? He's not stating that he's done this. And so to have a consistent hermeneutic, you have to translate it the same all the way through. There are three hyperboles. Paul saying, look, even if I was super spiritual man, super spiritual man, I can speak with the tongues of angels. I can move mountains. I can give my body to be burned like, like the friends of Daniel. But I don't have love. I'm what? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And then, at the end, he says, when true love comes, the sign gifts, the gifts, will be done away with. That which is in part, is done. It's gone. Why? Because love is the most excellent thing. When you come to understand, I don't, I don't believe that the, the, that which is to come is the word of God. I don't think that which is to come is the, talking about the coming of Christ. I think it's love. That's the context. I think that when that which is perfect is come is love. And when you experience the love of God, you have no need for sign gifts. None. None at all. I don't need God to continually prove to me that He loves me. He did. He proved it by dying on the cross. And He gave me a piece that passes understanding in my heart. I don't need to continually see new signs and wonders. That's not the purpose of the signs and wonders. So we move on. 14.1, prophecy is greater because it edifies the church, and that's where we're going to get into now with this. We're told right off the bat to pursue love and to pursue prophecy because prophesying, prophesying edifies the church, not declaring new revelation, but rather forth the word of God. When you forthtell the word of God, it edifies other people. You're being taught right now. Hopefully you're growing because of things that maybe you didn't know before. But we're told that tongues doesn't do that. That someone speaking in another language doesn't edify anybody. Rather, that which is spoken in another language is a mystery. I was going to ask Michelle to, to, to stand up and pontificate in German. But some of you might understand that because some of you know German. Okay, So that would kind of lose thing. But probably somewhere in here we have somebody who speaks a language that we don't know. Okay. Korean. Oh, does anybody speak Korean? Come, Anyways, but that's it. I just spoke all the Korean I know. He's been trying to teach me more, and I, I can't get it. Cantonese. Cantonese. Does Does your son know any Cantonese? He yes, he should. He, be, he, should. <laughs> <laughs> he should. Does he? <laughs> so, so, David stands up and starts speaking in Korean. It doesn't edify anybody. It's a mystery to us what he just said. Do you understand? Okay? The priority, we're told, verses 3 to 6, is the edification and exhortation of the body. Verses 7 to 13, we see that all communication should be clear for others to know how to respond and the message is declared. So even trumpets. When the trumpets go off, I need to know, does that mean I'm going to the attack or I'm going for a break? It's a big difference. Am I going to have dinner or am I going to war? Everybody better know. The guy who's blowing the bugle... Blowing the trumpet, he better do it pretty clear. Clarity is important in communication. Verses 14 to 19, therefore Paul's priority was that he would edify even though he was more proficient in languages than the others. Paul says there at the end, he says, that I speak with tongues more than all of you. If you you take that, if you read into that, that it's a gibberish... And I don't mean it wrong. So I am not trying to be rude when I say that. But it, angelical language, whatever you want to call it. Okay. But if Paul was saying that, that's what, or that's what you're reading into it. Then you're going to say, oh, he spoke with angelic languages more than anybody else. But that's not what he said. If you understand that the word tongues mean languages, what he's saying is, I speak with other languages more than you do. And he did. He spoke Aramaic. He spoke Hebrew. He spoke Latin. He spoke Greek. He spoke all the different dialects that he was going into. And so he's traveling all around all these places, ministering to all these people. So he's been honest. I speak what languages more than you do. He was very smart. It's exactly right. Administration of the gift, Manifestation, manifestation of the gift. This is the most important part, okay? What is the purpose of the gift? Paul is very clear now at the very end. What is this gift all about? Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice be babes. But in understanding, be mature. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and of other lips, I will speak to this people, yet for all that they will not hear Hear me, says the Lord, says Yahweh. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now, isn't that interesting? What is the purpose of the sign gift of tongues? Who is it to? Does everybody read that? I'm not making this up. And it says it comes from The law. Now, you gave me an uh, an incomplete answer. You said it's for unbelievers. That's partially true. That quote comes from Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and other tongue I will speak to this people. Who are this people? Jews. Do you get it? Tongues sign gift was a gift specifically that Yahweh declared He would send to get the Jews' attention. I don't have time to go into Romans 9. You can look it up in Hebrews chapter 2. It's very clear that this was a gift that God gave in order to get the Jews' attention. To make the Jews jealous over and over and over again. His whole idea was, I'm crying out to my people. And I'm going to give my spirit to others, to other nations. So that the Jews see it and they become jealous. And hopefully they'll what? Turn back to me. And so, Romans chapter 11, at the very end, we read, and so all Israel will be saved. How glorious. How but we make this sign gift for ourselves. And you can continue on in, in chapter 14 and read the fact that. At the most, two or three were supposed to speak one another language. It wasn't supposed to command the whole thing. So here's my challenge to you,? Okay? If I'm wrong, and it's not just a foreign language, but it is an angelic tongue. okay? Then God gave specific regulations and rules on how those angelic tongues were supposed to be used. They were supposed to be done in order. It was supposed to be to unbelievers, not necessarily in the church. Because it wasn't for the edification of the church. But yet when I go out there, so <laughs> put in Kenneth Hagin laughing in tongues into YouTube. And look what you're going to get. It is not honoring and glorifying to God. It is not edifying to the church. It is not reaching out to unbelievers. Do you understand? We've got to understand the clear teaching of God's word. And whether it agrees with what I believe or not, I have to accept it. And so that's my first statement. Is what you believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit based on your experience, the experience of others, or God's word? So here's the deal. If you're here today and you tell me, but I I pray in a a prayer prayer closet in in tongues, that's between you and God. I, I am not here to condemn. Make sense? Not mine. Mine is to do what? Preach the word of God. Okay? It's yours to how you do it. I've met people that I really believe love the Lord who tell me that they speak in tongues. I, I, I can't give an I'm not going to give an account for them. Does it make sense? I'm gonna give an account for, for Bob. And I'm gonna give an account for what I teach. Okay? Every idle word that comes out of my mouth, I'm gonna give an account for. Okay? I'm not saying then. I'm, am I saying it's of the devil? I don't want to go there. But talk to me about what was happening in Corinth. And we may, you may think that I'm going to tell you that it's from the devil. Anyways, if you have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then you have been gifted for the betterment of the body of Christ. What are you doing with your gift? I appreciate you singing during testimony time. That's what Testimony Time is all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But everybody comes with their, with their gift. Everybody comes with, with a testimony. Everybody comes with a song. This is really kind of exciting how it plays out. The purpose of the signed gifts was to bear validation to the proclamation. Sorry, Jose, I'm flying on you. The purpose of the sign gifts was to bear validation to the proclamation of the gospel message. To the unsaved, not for the internal pleasure of the church. Do you see that? Did you see that as we went through? It was an external proclamation, right? So therefore, are you boldly proclaiming the message of redemption to the lost? Have you ever been empowered with the Holy Spirit? Just want you to think about that. Or are you living content with just the indwelling? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? That's what Jesus said. Repent, metanoia change the way you think let's pray father thank you for your love thank you for your goodness to us thank you for your word it is again quick and powerful it is sharper than a two-edged sword lord through it you divide us asunder between soul and spirit between bone and marrow you expose the thoughts and intents of our hearts lord help us to be desirous of that help us to want to be pure as you're pure to desire truth as you proclaim it not as we want it to be So God, I pray that everything we believe would be based upon the truth of your word, not upon our opinions, and that you would be glorified in us and through us. In Christ's name, amen.